Hey everybody, welcome back to the Back to Brick podcast. I'm your host, Garrett, and as we do on this podcast, we talk about the bricking news and we get to talk with some great AFL designers uh, from around the world. And today we're going to be talking with Kevin, uh, or as better known on Instagram as Kevin.j.walter. And I just want to say, Kevin, thank you for coming on. I'm very excited to talk to you about your sets. How are you doing today? Hey, Garrett. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for having me. I'm doing fine. How are you? Good, good. Very excited to talk about these awesome builds that you've been doing. I'm a big fan, especially of your sci-fi stuff, so can't wait to get into that. But, you know, first, let's just kind of talk about you for a second. Where are you from and what kind of do you like to build? I'm from uh, Germany, especially South Germany. I, I studied history, which is uh, a passion of mine. Maybe we can talk about that later, too. And most of my stuff I build is sci-fi related, pop culture related and stuff, which I yeah doing most of the time. Yeah, I'm a big sci-fi fan, uh, especially some of the builds you've done recently. I'd love to, you know, talk about the inspiration for some of these. Um, but, you know, I always start our interviews just with a, the beginning question of, you know, if you had a minifigure or like sig fig, what, what would it look like and uh, how would it, you know, relate to you? Mm, yeah, I think it, it it should have some kind of hoodie torso because a hoodie is one of my preferred body wear. Yeah, maybe it would have some kind of historic uh, accessory, maybe a Roman or, or Greek helmet or something like that. Um, because as I said, I, I love uh, history and uh, studied history and that's some really cool uh, items from, from Lego there in this way. So yeah, probably would be uh, a mixture of that. That's cool. What? So you talked about history. What makes you so interested in history? Well, it, it started really early in my, in my childhood. I really love those uh, illustrated uh, books for children about ancient Greek, ancient Roman, ancient Egypt civilizations. I watched a lot of uh, documentaries uh, in my early childhood, and that was some kind of, of, of fascination for those people living like 2000 years ago, which, yeah, which caught me and never, never gone away. So I studied history on university and made my master's degree. Yeah, in particular, I love um, ancient history. And yeah, that's, I, I just love ancient history. And in a way, because um, if you look what those people so many hundreds and thousand years ago achieved with easiest uh, methods, and you can still see it today, uh, when you wander through Rome or Egypt or elsewhere that's that's uh, really impressive i would agree it's so funny to talk about the ancient rome and ancient greek times and you have to kind of realize that holy cow like what they were able to accomplish at the time that you know sometimes we aren't even able to understand still where i think it's the roman concrete we still don't have the recipe of why it's so strong and the structures that they built were so impressive yeah, or, or like color color mixtures and combinations in ancient Egyptian tombs or on on uh, ancient Greek statues where where uh, scientists didn't know how with what material they they mixed those colors and how they were um, so bright and and glowing. It's, really impressive for sure because 
I mean, when you think of Egypt, not many people think of beautiful colors and all this different stuff that they had to create somehow from different pigments. And you think, well, how do they create such vibrant blues or the deep reds? And we don't really have any of their instructions other than the hieroglyphics that we can still see. And they're still finding things constantly because the desert is ever shifting. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, getting into Lego here, when do you think you kind of started building uh, Lego? Just as a kid, I'm guessing? Yes, I started really early with first with Duplo. And but I got my my first Lego system kit when I was four. It wasn't an, an excavator, but I don't know exactly what what set number. But I I, I remind back to this. This was the first Lego set I had, and uh, from on there it it gone straight away uh, until now. And um, yeah, for me Lego was always some kind of yeah construction and and putting my my thoughts my creativeness into into a model so building an official lego set was always fun but it didn't last really long in in its uh, original existence and was soon after transformed into some kind of own creation uh, which came to my mind so yeah it, it's pretty uh that's a that's it i know we all kind of started when we were young and kind of just continue to move forward when do you think you started building your own designs. Mm, I think that was probably around with mm, first easiest step with five and six onward. So I, I have I, I recently found some pictures, um, uh, old photographs of really really old models, and they have to be at least I don't know twenty to twenty five years old. So I think my my really my first own creations are yeah with about five, six, seven around that time. Uh I it's the time where I can remember that I actively build own creations. The model where I can most recall it would definitely be um some kind of Klingon bird of prey I, I always build as uh, as a children. I I was really in my early years or, or from my early years onward a huge uh, Star Trek fan and I know that this spaceship design uh, of the bird of prey really catched uh, my attention and uh, so the the first bigger spaceships I built always seek to look like a bird of prey and I think I made over the years something about three to four different iterations of it and it's really funny to see how they develop over the time what kind of drew you to the bird of prey I, I like the, the the general aesthetic the the, the 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 design of this ship with the huge wings and the the, the long neck and those little details uh, you can find everywhere um, if you look closely and especially the the function it it has in the movies with folding wings uh, it's just an, an, a cool uh, spaceship and you you have to make one now that's with the stealth mode so it's got to be just an invisible one <laughs> that you just have a stand for and say hey this is the invisible or it's in a stealth mode <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I can always uh, as well do one where I uh, put a pile of pieces around a stand and say, hey, that's the destructed version. <laughs> yes, yeah, you definitely should. I What was the one? I think it was one of the movies that they had one of the Bird of Prey's that was like massive and highly modified and had like a death ray. I can't remember which one that was. It was in the in the sixth uh, movie where um, they had a Bird of Prey prototype, which was able to um, fire out of stealth mode. 
That's right. Yeah, and they had to like try to track and hunt yeah, it, with, uh, with, with, with like... a modified photon torpedo. Yes, <laughs> I I always enjoyed the movies. I mean, they weren't as good as the shows in some instances, but you know, you got to see at least a few hours of Star Trek instead of you know, battles for sure. Yeah, and so I decided to to build uh, the Bird of Prey uh, digitally, and as I said, I I wanted to build it in uh, in scale in UCS scale to the to the Millennium Falcon set. Which turned out that that bird of prey was about four meters in length, if you would build it uh, in reality. And at the at the end, it contained about over a quarter million pieces, so it was a really really huge file. And uh, I know I, I used blueprints um, I found on the web for the the various details of the model. Then I think it was in the years two two thousand fifteen and uh, sixteen when I built my latest and probably more or less last Bird of Prey. There were more colors uh, available at the time in, in dark green and green and dark red, etc., etc. So I could build it in reality. And I know that I searched the web for, for, for hours um, just for, for reference material. And uh, gladly I found on, on some website pictures of the studio model um, they used for the movies. And uh, so I had the best insights and the best pictures of all the details of the model to make it look yeah, like it uh, turned out then. And, you know, you've continued on not just with those models, but it looks like you've, you know, you've built the Enterprise and I think your, and your latest one is the Phoenix, correct? Yeah, exactly. Um, I built in 2018 the the Enterprise A, and yeah, in the midst, I started with the Enterprise D, which is a long, never-ending story at some uh, <laughs> point for this year's um, first contact day, uh, which is yeah, some kind of Star Trek holiday, which is uh, every year at uh, the 5th of uh, April. I um, decided to build the, the Phoenix because I really liked this first uh, human warp vessel and it was cool to build, again, something in really minifigure um, scale, which was actually really funny when I built the, the cockpit crew, so uh, Stephen Cochran and William Riker and uh, Joy LaForge. I um, recognized that I am really not a minifig uh, collector and uh, I had to search all my, my, my parts to find some adequate minifigure parts to get the, the crew done. <laughs> I'm in the same same boat there because yeah, I don't I don't collect minifigures, but especially if you want specific characters, the well, one you're like, oh, well now I have to figure out what parts those are to to have them look similar at least so people could understand what I've what I've built. Well, I mean, yeah. the model is pretty pretty iconic, so I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, the the, the minifigures are more like decoration to. To show that it is really a minifigure scale uh, model and not like most of my other models, uh, just a scale model in, in some way. Yes. And with this design, how long do you think something like this took you to do? Yeah, I think I it took me about between two and, 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 and four weeks in, in some with everything. Um, I always start with searching reference material on the web, mm -hmm. pictures movie clips, whatever um, is available. When I have the, the, the best reference options, I, I always start to uh, to make a scale in which I want to work, where I and normally I, I print one blueprint with the, the most optics of the, of the model and scale the, the various aspects and details and 
decide then in which uh, scale uh, I want to build it. So maybe let's say this engine part is on my my uh, printed paper three centimeter long, and uh, then I decide okay this or that Lego part could uh, work well with it, and from there I I go on with with um, scaling the model up and uh, and continue um, to work. And then yeah, I I try to start at some point. Most commonly, I start with the engines and work upwards from them. So that's basically uh, how I'm going along. Um, it always depends if I have enough material for the model um, at home or if I decide to make just some prototypes and do it digitally and build it afterwards in the real colors when I uh, made a precise um, order of parts I will need for it. But in that case, I had uh, most of the parts at home because it's in, in, in grayish tones, which I always also use for the uh, Enterprise D model back then. I was going to ask because, you know, a lot of people, me included, use the digital designers. But some people are like, well, it's impossible to do my designs like that. So I have to do it with physical bricks. Do you prefer one over the other? I think both options have their pros and uh, and cons. I usually prefer to build with real bricks. And um, even if it's just a prototype in, in some way with various available colors I have uh, at hand and transform it then into a digital one. But I can also work straight from the digital bottom to the finished model. But I think it's it's taking longer and is more exhausting to do it because if you have if you start with working with real bricks you really uh, fast see if uh, if a concept or an idea really works because you don't have overlapping pieces or something like that so it holds or it breaks apart there's no really between which can be uh, i'm going to guess especially difficult <laughs> because the digital design yeah you're you're working through it but then when you it gets to the physical model you're like well wait, this worked online, why isn't it working now? Yeah, exactly. When I built the Colosseum model, which is currently in the LEGO Ideas um, review, uh, that one was for a contest, um, architecture in, when was it? I think 2019, yes, it was 2019. When I uh, I hadn't enough time to, and not the, the money just to buy all possible working pieces for it. So I started from scratch digitally. And that worked pretty well. And when I when I had the finished model and and ordered all parts in, I had some some parts uh, where I had to really make some modifications because I just didn't saw that I made a, a little uh, error on the on the digital model, which is really going pretty fast to make some minor lapses. Yeah, because it works digitally, and you first see it in in reality that it don't work. Especially with all those curves, too. And then you have to do it in a smaller scale because, I mean, you don't have, what is it, 9,000, 8,000 pieces for the for the full-scale one that they've done. So you have to use a smaller detailing uh, just to get everything to what you want in that design. Yeah, exactly. In the digital one, it was really uh, good to, to make the different angles of the of the curve, which was then in reality some a little bit difficult to to replicate to make such small little angles like five degree or something, which is 
really easy on on the digital workspace, but in reality, it's yeah, it's a, a difficult uh, work. Sure, yeah, <laughs> and you know, I'd love to talk about some of your other sci-fi things. One that particular for me, I really appreciate is your Guolo Hatak. I I always loved the show. It it didn't get as much praise after the fact. I mean, they did do four shows, but it's been so long since they've come out with something. Were you a big fan? That's why you created these models as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 in general a real a big science fiction fan, but uh, Stargate was always it accompanied uh, my childhood in the not the same extent as Star Trek did, but uh, I yeah, I watched all all the shows and yeah, I really uh, like and love it. Yeah, it's it's really sad to see that uh, one it's not that much beloved uh, today and there are no really new new shows or updates or anything and on the other hand that uh, the lego community isn't that much stargate affine as yeah you may like it yeah i've always thought of doing like a lego ideas of the stargate and maybe just some of the shifts but then you realize that one lego doesn't like to do violence so that's hard to do because there is uh, there's a good bit of violence in it yeah <laughs> um, yeah and then, like you said, it's the Lego community, and a lot of people just think of it as like a B-rated sci-fi. But I always enjoyed the the Stargate and uh, the history of like the ancients and stuff. Definitely something that I wish they would bring back. Yeah, they 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 made really some some clever pseudo fictional pseudo historic um, connections between those uh, mighty aliens and for example ancient egypt gods and ancient egypt history that was really cool and uh, i think yeah it's it's a bit unfair uh, against that franchise that it is most commonly seen as some kind of b-rated b sci-fi um mm -hmm. compared to to the other uh, big science science fiction franchises of that time or of nowadays I think it got a bad rep after the History Channel came out with their ancient aliens and the crazy yeah. guy on there. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, wait, they made a TV show that based on this? Uh, it's probably just pretty bad <laughs> like that. <laughs> yes. That is really B minus uh, stuff. <laughs> yes. I'd love to talk. So I, as I see the Hatak, I also, we, we brushed over it, but your D-class Enterprise. Tell me the story yeah. of how you started and why you think it's taken so long to just continue to build. I always wanted to to build the <clears throat> the Enterprise D. I made several attempts and scratched them most of the times because I wasn't satisfied with it. And with my latest uh, one, I really liked the approach to it, but I don't see that it is really doable in in reality without massive amounts of parts and support and some uh, stuff like that. I, I started with the saucer section and that is the, the, the last state of the art uh, of that model that I have done to uh, one third of the, of the saucer section. So basically underside of it, no top and no, uh, no main hull, etc. nothing done yet. And that model already have about one 110 uh, centimeter uh, diameter and weighs around i don't know five kilogram already the internal structure i i built to to achieve the elliptic form the model weighs something around three three kilogram so it's 
just immensely massive and yeah the problem is it's just too big i i have now <laughs> sitting it for i think over a year under my bed into some kind of hibernation because I just <laughs> the place the workspace to uh, to go on and to work on it and yeah i i recently had some ideas how i may scale down the whole model and i hope i can continue uh, to work on it on it soon and maybe can finish and, and fulfill this task uh, in a in a smaller uh, and better way i mean it, it is crazy especially the angles because the enterprise d is pretty much a giant oval and having yeah. to do that with bricks that are square is not super easy what was your like process to go about making that curve because you also did the same thing with the dish of the enterprise is it the E or B? Enterprise B? Um, a. It's the Enterprise A. The Enterprise A. And like I know just circle just circular forms in Lego isn't is extremely, extremely hard. Uh, yeah, it, it, when I worked on the Enterprise A, it was really hard to get that that circle circular form uh, done. But circular is better doable in a way um, with with uh, the wedge plates, which I used in the in the final model. But uh, Enterprise D uh, have those elliptic form, and on the other hand, it's it's curved. Uh, it, it's yeah, it, it have various uh, forms of of curves in in this saucer. So yeah, it's really difficult to achieve that. And uh, I, I think I first used a great print just of the saucer and and try to figure out some some points which angle goes from what point to uh, what other point just to, i did first uh, the basic outline of the of the saucer yeah from there i started with how i can connect those different angles to each other in the in the internal structure and then i had to find a way how to <clears throat> achieve those curved saucer form and i took a big inspiration from there's a an afl out there a ben smith he is doing um really fabulous uh, star trek uh, models and he used a very creative and nowadays more commonly seen uh, method in which you're taking uh, panel pieces to fill the, the the gaps between the single segments and that was my my basic approach uh, on the on the saucer section how i can make it smooth and uh, without many many gaps in it so the kudos goes uh, basically to him uh, for using this to a really great extent and you get to learn from it to do this because if you didn't have that that help it could have you mean you i'm i'm expecting you could have done it yourself but having that inspiration to kind of lead you in the right direction probably sped up the process of creating that uh, ellipse yeah definitely it was uh, when i when i saw his models it was the impulse to take my hand on some bricks and panels again and and just toy around a little bit with it and that was the basic start to say okay i can tackle uh, this model again in a way oh yeah oh, yeah it leads on to you know you get to learn that now so you have that skill to create an ellipse if you want to make something else because you did the same thing with in smaller scale with the coliseum so now if you ever have any other designs you're like, oh, well, I've learned this process. I can definitely make something similar or change it as I need to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But with the Colosseum, it's a bit, yeah, let's call it easier because you don't have 
many. You have just the, the, the elliptic ground footprint of the, of the model, but can uh, build straight up. So you can work with just normal hinge bricks. Um, if you have to bring up various curved forms, it makes the thing very more difficult. But the basic design for it uh, is the, the, the inspiration and the idea from which I want to now scale the, the model down. So it's definitely, um, it was not an effortless or um, useless time I, I put into it. Yes. And that's always good, especially as you lean into, as I said, more and more models. That leads me to like your latest design, which is the Expanse series. I'm a huge fan because I, I love how it has such realism to it. And the Rasanante is just a stunningly cool ship because it's also not only a regular ship, but it's a warship that they use throughout the battles and stuff. So I'm guessing it's the similar fashion. You got really involved and loved the Expanse. Now, did you read the books prior to watching the show? No, no, it was. Um, I, I have to say, I I stumbled uh, upon the Expanse more accidentally. I think I, I saw it on my uh, streaming platform some uh, back then, and thought, oh, what, what's this for a series? Yeah, maybe maybe you can watch it at some time, and then the time flows by and then i just at one day i i didn't found anything else and i just started and yeah from there i was <laughs> pretty fast a real uh huge fan of the series at some point i i uh, recognized oh there are books on which the whole series is based on and uh, then i i bought the um the books and i have read now the first three books and currently i'm on on book four but I don't have that much time to, to read. So it will take some more and longer time until I'm probably done with it. But yeah, The Expanse is really a great TV series and I really like it. And the designs, as you said, are really, really cool because yeah, they're not like like Star Trek models or other um, science fiction models in some fan, let's call it fantastic way, or it they are more imaginable way. Like you can think, okay, it could be in 100 years or 200 years from now onward, be like this or simil similar uh, to this. Yes. And the, I mean, like we said, it's it may not be too far in our future. I think I was born a little too early because I would have loved being a part of these like missions and getting into space like this. But as you know, SpaceX is pushing to go to Mars. So is NASA. We might see you know, another human on a different planet in our lifetime. And this is just like the next five, what would you say? Probably 200 years that we'd see something similar to this. Yeah, exactly. And you, you built the model and so many people loved it. Did you reach out to Brick Vault? Because I know that they produce your model and instructions or did you reach out to them? Uh, in that case, I reached out to them, um, but I, it was easy for me to reach out to them because um, the Enterprise A model uh, we mentioned earlier was the was my first model I where I um, made the instructions for uh, Brickwall. So um, I just had to pitch them the idea for the Rosinante, and since they are both uh, as well huge Expanse fans, it wasn't <laughs> much of a deal to. To agree that this model would be nice uh, on the on the store. Yeah, that is an easy way to do it. Now, I guess in the enterprise, how did that process go? I reached out to them as well. Uh, a friend of mine who saw the model on an on an exhibition uh, said, "Oh, this model uh, would be really cool as an instruction model," and he recommended a brick wall to me and said, "Hey, reach out to them and ask them." 
they are probably really want to like that model. And that was exactly um, the case. I just, when I finished the model, I took some pictures and uh, pitched them the idea via email. And yeah, that's basically the story how those model landed on the brick wall store. That's really cool because it gave other people the ability to build them. And you get, you know, compensation for helping out. Now, did they design those instructions or did you? Uh, I did um, design the, uh, the instructions for it. Have you considered doing instructions for some of your other builds or linking up with them again to do one of your other other builds? Oh, yeah. Um, we're we are, um, going to work on more models in future. Basically, if I will continue or when I will continue, continue on my Star Trek models, some of them will for sure uh, be on their website. And um, I, I have plans to um, do more expanse models because I, in, in the past months, I, I really like to work in that small uh, micro scale. And it's, it's really refreshing to, to build small models and and have yeah some kind of finished product or model within just a few days and not working over months on some big behemoth uh, models which never <laughs> yeah. get uh, done so that's that's really cool and uh, as i said i really like the the various ships from the expanse currently i'm I'm working on the uh, Amun-Ra stealth uh, frigate, but it's really difficult from the from the shapes, and so it will probably take a little bit longer until I'm uh, done with it. And my idea is basically to build as many ships as I can or as I have time for it in the same scale to the Rosinante, so they are going to getting bigger uh, and bigger probably. Which, I mean, I love the Expanse, and I think as you've seen, you know, you had great reactions to this scale. I enjoy the scale because, like you said, it's compact. It's the, the smaller model is always harder to do detail, but when you get it right, you really can get it right, and people enjoy because they can display it better. I mean, how many people will be able to display the Enterprise D or even a Ford? <laughs> All yeah. those pieces to do it. <laughs> exactly. That's that's another reason why why I really like and I'm really happy with the with the Rossinante design because it's really compact, small, and it's easily affordable for um, for other people, and it's not too too difficult in in its design and and instructions to really build it for yourself. So and yes, it's 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 a cool little model you can put on your on your desk or on your shelf or. On, on some kind of small space. I think with the bundle pack, with the various color um, combinations, you have some kind of liberty to, to uh, customize the Rosin on the model you like the most. If it's the, the touchy uh, print in, in, in black and orange or the, the classic gray or the, the improved uh, season four onward, black, gray, and red with the landing gear, the, the cannon. I don't know what 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 it's called. The uh, the railgun. Yeah, railgun. Exactly. That was yeah. <laughs> that was the word <laughs> I was speaking. Thank you. You're welcome. I think I like all three. My favorite, I think, is the classic gray because that's when they that was the first couple seasons of you know, hey, this is it was a it was a Mars ship we stole, but now it's ours. <laughs> uh, but season four was also great. So the color scheme is really cool, and I like that you can do that because you give the ability to create three models if someone wants to. Or just the one that's their favorite. Yeah, and 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 in the in the I forgot in the bundle is the, the Razorback as well in the the matching scale um, included, so you can build a, a fourth ship 
with it. That's uh, pretty cool. And I, I tried it. You can um, as well dock both ships together on one stand with a with a connection bridge. Yes, which is cool because I mean. I see that the detail, usually people will be like, oh, just do one by one or square. And I'm like, and as I've seen from your model, and I actually own the model as well, it needs a little more strength to hold something like that up. Yeah, I, I thought that it maybe uh, would be a bit fragile, but the stand I, I designed and which accidental, accidentally really fit well the Rossinante model without making any uh, further improvements to the design. Uh, because it's basically just held by the by the engine and one of the little uh, details at the side. It's a really a stable uh, connection, and uh, you can easily put the razor back on top without any problems. That's really cool. Yeah, and I mean, you get to display it where it's floating, like it's in, in free space, which makes it, you know, <laughs> space-like, which is nice. Yeah, it 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 looks like like in action, like not being yeah on a paper or or something like that mm -hmm. so a basic it's, it's it's yeah like like in motion that's that's a cool feature of that uh, stand as well yeah and if people want they can use the legs and have it stand up like it does when it lands yeah that one works but that one is really a little bit fragile so you <laughs> don't you gotta be cautious put much, don't put put too much pressure on it then it will uh fall over except mm -hmm. if you just put it on the engine and fold out uh, the legs in one uh, straight line, then it will work. Yeah. Now, I mean, you've you've gone over a bunch of different sci-fi things. Is there a series or a sci-fi ship that you are planning to do next or would love to do? Oh, there are so many uh, ships I <laughs> want to go on and so many ideas I really um, like to do. Yeah, I think probably I will work uh, again on more uh, expanse models because I, I really like the, the aesthetics and working on that small scale makes it yeah sometimes easier to, to make achievements in a way. But yeah, I would also like at some point to finally build uh, the Enterprise D and all the other great uh, Star Trek ships out there, like the Voyager or the Enterprise E, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's my my list of of models of spaceships I want to build is longer than my my schedule, <laughs> my uh, my my time for it. So yeah, oh, I believe it. Yeah, I, I have a lot of ideas for the next few years to come. <laughs> I believe it. I'm the same way. And I definitely, thinking about all the sci-fi ships I love, have suggestions. So that could add to your list. <laughs> yeah, sure. Feel free. Um, I have one final question, but I wanted to first thank you for coming on. I, I appreciate, you know, with your candor and just the, the way you design it, it. It's inspiring to those people that love the sci-fi and creating these curves and shapes that most people think that is too challenging to do. But like you said, you take inspiration from others and build upon it. And I think that that really is the best lead into the final question is, how do you think Lego has changed or affected your life? It's a good question. I mean, basically, Lego is a essential part of my life. It doesn't really change my life. I, I grew up with Lego. It's since I can think of, I, I had yeah bricks in my hands. So uh, and I never had something like like a dark age or a, a really long period where I didn't work with Lego. I mean, sure, there are some weeks or months where I built less than in other times. But 
Lego is always some yeah company, some some uh, kind of fellow for me. So yeah, it didn't really change my my life. It's part of my life naturally. So naturally, <laughs> I mean, I, just seeing your models, I, I can definitely see that, and I I cannot wait to see more just the, the different scales because you you have great skill in the large scale and also in the small scale. So. And I'm a huge sci-fi nerd, so I'll be following you for a very, very long time to see what comes out. But again, Kevin, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you sharing your life with Lego with us. And uh, I hope that you continue and uh, we get to talk again on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Garrick, for having me. It was uh, a huge pleasure for me. And yeah, it would be nice to talk to you again at uh, some point of time. Awesome. And for everyone out there, please follow him on Instagram and Flickr, kevin.j.walter. And you can also go to Brick Vault and get two of his designs out there. He's got the Rocinante, and the, as we talked about, from The Expanse and The Enterprise. And hopefully we'll see more coming out here soon. All of those people that are also listening, thank you for, you know, listening. This is what I love to do. And I, I love to bring people in like Kevin that like to share and talk about their builds and their, their life with Lego. So to all those out there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and also subscribe to our Instagram at Back to Brick 2. And uh, if you ever want to be on the show, just like uh, Kevin is, then just reach out. I, I love having all different designers and people, even if you aren't a designer, to talk about Lego. So I'll leave you as I always do. Get creative, get out there, and go build something.